Hello, and welcome to the UX Hustle podcast. I'm so excited because today I have Vincent Brathwaite with me. Vincent is a Caribbean-American multidisciplinary design leader, educator, speaker, and husband. He's a visionary with a keen ability for assessing an idea's potential and bringing its possibilities to life. His passion is to build bridges between cultures and unite people by their common thread. For the past two decades, he has worked to transform communities through disruptive design methodologies, a process he learned by studying industrial design at Rhode Island School of Design, product design at Strait School of Design in Paris, product development at MIT, and project management and data analytics at General Assembly. He successfully executed projects for Red Bull, IBM, Caruso Affiliated, Tides Foundation, Diaspora Vibes Cultural Arts Incubator, Morehouse College, and U.S. Department of Energy Georgia, and various companies in the social impact space. He's taught over 250 individuals in UX design as an adjunct professor at Rhode Island School of Design and lead instructor at General Assembly combined. He's written articles of advanced UX topics for the Adobe XD blog, XD Ideas. As a speaker, Vincent has inspired thousands of designers and entrepreneurs at virtual and in-person conferences. Some of them include the UX India Conference, UX Strat Online Conference, Design Ops Summit, Dribble Hangtime Conference, National Urban League Conference, and TEDx Crenshaw. And Vincent was one of our keynote speakers at UX Hustle Summit 2021, speaking on becoming a design leader, which you'll hear him talk about in today's episode. Even though this episode was recorded just prior to the UX Hustle Summit, it is being released after the fact. In all that Vincent does, he's led by the following core principles, integrity, empathy, kindness, courage, and resilience. In this episode, Vincent and I talk about what it means to be a design leader and talking about what he shared at UX Hustle Summit about how to become a design leader and how leadership can tie into future-proofing your design career. Vincent shares what he's noticed in helping hundreds of designers successfully break into the UX industry and gives you tips and tricks on how to implement some of those ideas yourself. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the UX Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Worthington. The goal of UX Hustle is to help UX designers design the career they love, maximizing the benefit of this multifaceted industry and strong community. We talk about what's really going on in UX and what it's like working in it, and interview people that are actively navigating their careers and UX. We don't expect to have all the answers, but we do keep searching, keep listening, and learning. Because at the end of the day, you are the user of your career. Okay, well, welcome to the UX Hustle podcast. I'm so excited to have Vincent Brathwaite with me today. Welcome to the podcast, Vincent. Thank you, Amanda. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to these questions that you have for me. Yes, and I'm excited too, because Vincent will be speaking at the UX Hustle Summit on September 24th and 25th, specifically the 25th as our closing keynote, talking all about becoming a UX leader. And I'm so excited. So Vincent, can you tell us a little bit about your UX career journey, how you got into UX and all that good stuff? Yeah, so uh, hopefully I'll keep it under the time that we have because it's been a journey. Uh, So I want to start with my, my entrance into the design field. And that started actually when I was about nine years old, actually, to be quite honest. Um, So I went to a magnet art school um, in Miami, Florida, South Miami Elementary, and I actually had to audition. I had to have put together a portfolio. I had to do a drawing test. I had to do a um, a sculpting test, all of that, which I had never done before, as you can imagine. And so long story short, I just stayed in that tract and learning uh, the fundamentals and the basics of visual arts and then transitioned into design at a design high school called Design and Architecture Senior High. Um, and, and it was there that I fell in love with 
the idea of doing design to help people through industrial design, specifically product design. And that uh, an internship that I had in 1997 um, really excited me or really sort of like opened my eyes, I should say, to the possibilities. And so moving forward and going to a design school, specifically Rhode Island School of Design, uh, and continuing to learn what it means to design products or what does it mean to consider humans at the center of design decisions and, and making sure that their needs and their problems are being addressed. And so uh, post my time at RISD and getting into the field, into the, my design career, and, and this is right at the sort of the beginnings of how the internet was really starting to like continue to take off and how we were starting to get more uh, digital applications and products. And at that time, I was working for a nonprofit organization, working on um, designing and developing and maintaining their website and working with different vendors. And at the same time, I was uh, entertaining clients who were interested in having a web presence as well. So for their businesses and for their uh, organizations. And so uh, taking my uh, what I learned in my ID career and uh, coupling that with um, some information that I was reading offline about how to translate uh, you, this, this human-centered approach to solving problems in a product space, physical product space, to now a digital space, and different tools and methodologies to do so, questions how to engage with um, customers, how to engage with stakeholders. These were things that I was learning while I was doing it and practicing it. And so that uh, pretty much set the trajectory for me in my UX career, where eventually I quit my job and decided that I wanted to uh, pursue this um, idea of how to help all kinds of people as it relates to their businesses and the people that they serve through their businesses and their organizations, because I'm a very curious person. And so I just could, I just didn't see myself focusing on just one thing. Uh, and so being an entrepreneur and having my own consultancy, it allowed me to be able to entertain different types of clients who had different problems and different needs and challenges to be solved through design and through the methodologies that we find in UX. So uh, my transition into the field went from being a product designer um, trained to focusing on um, digital products specifically, but also including and adding to my toolkit many more methodologies that I already had. Um, and I continue to add methodologies. It's, a, it's an ongoing process, but um, that was pretty much my interest into, into the UX field. I mean, all I can picture is like a snowball when you're telling this story <laughs> and like how you're building momentum and you're gathering up like more snow as you're snowballing. And it's just yeah, yeah. so cool. <laughs> awesome. And like, yeah, that's how it felt too, to be, to be honest. <laughs> that's awesome. And like, yeah. so natural of the tools yeah. that you're using. And I feel like understanding the trajectory and like what you're what you were learning at the time and being able to apply it and use that application mm -hmm. as feedback to figure out what your next steps were. Right, right. And that's so right. cool. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, looking back at it now, it's it definitely seems or seem to be very natural and very organic, but I must tell you that internally, and while I was going through the transitions of, you know, from, from school to my first job within the field, because uh, it wasn't my first job, that's another story, but um, uh, to uh, having my own practice to then uh, years later teaching it to now the position that I have uh, with Envision as a, a director for the Design Leadership Forum, uh, when when I tell the story, or when someone looks at the story, it it does seem like oh that makes sense. But I must say there were many gaps <laughs> in between that that it did not feel like it made sense. I was trying to figure things out um, in the process, even though I had experienced what I experienced in terms of my learning. And the tools that I was uh, that I was gathering along the way. 
And that's such a good point of even when you have all the tools and the knowledge and resources at your disposal, when you're in it, it does not feel that way. No, no, no. And And so how do you bridge that gap? Yeah. And this is why I'm excited about this talk um, coming up is because I get to share um, how looking back now, there were actually moments where I was getting nuggets or indications that I was moving in the right direction. And oftentimes the emotions felt during the process can blind one to see those things. And so I have now come to a point in my journey where as I continue to learn, as I continue to progress as a design leader, to now pay attention to those signs of how to know when to pivot and how to know when to dig a little deeper into a certain area as it relates to what I'm interested in, the the type of life that I want to have for myself and for my family. And one of the ways in which to bridge the gaps uh, where your your emotion uh, doesn't align with what is actually happening in terms of, you know, the fact that you are actually making uh progress moving forward uh, is that you have to take moments to take a step back and um, sort of evaluate really uh, where where you came from, right? Um, sort of the hurdles that you jumped over to get to your current place uh, and, and really be objective about that. Because um, if you're in a position where you're feeling sort of negative about the journey and where you are and you're seeing it as a huge gap, um, chances are you actually are much closer to um, where it is that you desire to be if you are if you take an objective look and say instead not to focus on the negative and to just really look at okay well what have I learned so far right um, what was once a, a problem or an issue um, say many years ago that no longer exists today right? Um, Doing an inventory such as that, I think, will really help to bring uh, one into perspective on the journey thus far and where where to go and sort of start to sort of, you know, add the the planks, if you will, for that bridge that needs to be built for that journey. Oh, I I really like that, of being able to look back at your experience. Mm -hmm. And what a skill to look at that objectively. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And not through a judgmental lens or a I should be further along in my journey. And like so many of those thoughts can come into our heads. Right. Right. And I would also like to add that, you know, comparison is such a crutch. You know, when we compare ourselves to others and their journey and where they are and and that could be peers right these could be people that we probably went to school with or people that we or we're working with right and seeing how further along they are and then we use that as a measuring stick to say okay well i should be at least where they are or or further because i have xyz as it relates to skills or understanding or knowledge or experience and when we do that we end up putting ourselves deeper in a hole in terms of the gap of where we are where we think we should be and and we really need to take a pause and take a moment and not do that to ourselves um you know there's a lot of conversation that has happened around comparison as it relates to social media and what that does uh to us and for us and really um I think it really can have a compound effect if we continue to do that. Um, And it takes us out of the reality of where we currently are within our journey and where we're going, uh, because there there will be someone else who will look at, you know, uh, you as an individual, those who are listening, um, and say, well, dang, you've done so much. You're, You're so far along, or I wish I could have you what what you have or where you are so as as much as you may aspire to have or be where someone else is if you are comparing know that there are one or two several people that are on the other side of that that are looking at you and and seeing how well you've done and that was something that i also had to 
uh, look at for myself because I was doing just that. I was comparing myself to my peers um, who I, you know, who have gone on and done some amazing things very early on in their career. And I was just like, what is happening to me? Why am I not? Why am I here? (laughs) Why am I feeling like you're left in the dust? Right, right, right. (laughs) But at the same time, I had people who were showing up and impressed by where I was and what I was able to accomplish. And in my mind, it was like, that's nothing. If you saw what you know, John was doing, you would, you would not be saying that to me right now. But, but again, it, it is, that is where the objectivity comes into play is because you can take a look and say, okay, yes, I may, may see this from someone else, or I may aspire to for this, but I also have to look at what I've accomplished um, and, and what I have gained uh, thus far. And I, I like what you said about like, oh, that's nothing. Like, because so many times the things that we're really great at Mm -hmm. or that are our superpowers, we downplay them so easily because they come naturally or easily or whatever to us. Yeah, 100 percent. And and I think that um, it it requires us to continuously uh, take moments of pause. Right. Um, to to be able to to do that when we're constantly in a go 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 and this is specifically to my type A my pursuit of perfectionist people out there who are listening to this raising <laughs> right? my hand right right <laughs> we're constantly in a state of like go go I want to achieve better I want to do better that we don't really create space for ourselves to take moments and and reflect. And I know I've said this several times in the short amount of time that we've had, but I can't stress how important it is and how valuable of an asset that has been for me in my journey uh, to really take moments of pause and to be a little bit kinder to yourself. you know, I know, again, with our type A, you know, perfectionist, we can be really critical and super harsh to the point. It's just like, yo, chill out. <laughs> yes. Calm down. <laughs> and and it really does require effort uh, to do this because it doesn't necessarily come naturally, you know, when we are that critical of our, of our journey. And it comes from a good place. It comes from a place of wanting to excel and do excellent work and do really good work uh, for ourselves because we value that. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we're monitoring the ways in which we are operating within a space that has, you know, the balance as it relates to what we're able to do, but then how we see ourselves in that, in the process. Absolutely. And I like thinking about comparison and when you're in that place of overanalyzing or being over judgmental to yourself. And I feel like where you get it in a, trouble troublesome spot Mm -hmm. is when you start making decisions from that place yes yes 100 percent. because it's not authentic right uh when you're making decisions from a place that is in a pursuit of an image that doesn't really align with who you are and where you are and the tools that you have that then sets up traps for you because now you've you've created a false um a false destination right? That doesn't really match with, with who you are. And so because of that, you end up becoming more frustrated at the fact that you're not meeting this when the reality is that wasn't really a destination for you in the first place, because it was based off of some other measurement that someone else has. And, and, and we don't have the full story of another person's journey, right? No matter how close we are to someone, we don't know the internal struggles. We don't know the thought process. We don't know how they made the decisions that they made to get to exactly where they are. And so because we don't have that context, we really can't make a full decision based on what we're seeing from someone else. That's so true. Because it takes you on like an off-ramp. Yeah. From yeah. where you were supposed to go that was right. aligned that might not have given you that instant gratification. Right. Right. That maybe you were downplaying from the things that do come easily or naturally to you. Yeah. And now you're distracting yourself with this off-road <laughs> yeah. um, detour. Yeah. And the other piece to that is the attention, right? The attention that, or sometimes validation that sometimes we seek 
from others and thinking that we can get it by doing or achieving what someone else has done if we are in the space of comparison. When we have to be comfortable with validating ourselves, right? And, and really being the person that says, you know what, you did that. You were thinking this and you didn't think you were gonna do it and you did that. So kudos to you. We should go and treat ourselves to some kind of drink or some kind of our favorite meal or something, <laughs> right? Like, like being yes. able to, to, to say that to ourselves and to appreciate the minor accomplishments that we have or the milestones that we meet as we're going through the journey I think will help because when we do that, it allows for us to present ourselves in a way that people then want to be a part of, you know, the narrative and the story that we're building, which supports some of that validation that we seek or just just recognition, right, from others to be able to see you, right? Because we all want to be seen to some degree. No one really wants to walk through this world in complete isolation, <laughs> you know, um, you know, everyone's not an extrovert, obviously. And I would sometimes consider myself an introvert, believe it or not, uh, because I, I thrive in the space of where, where I sit, where I can have time with my thoughts and just sort of observe and think. Um, and I'm not always one to jump into a conversation per se, but I've learned how to navigate spaces where when I find that it is necessary for me to contribute, I will contribute and do so with an understanding of who I am and what I have gained along the way to the current moment. But truth is that I really do enjoy quiet time uh, and, and just listening to when other people are around me and what they're saying and what they're what they're up to. And I say all that to say that again, it's it's being able to be in a position where we're okay in those those spaces of uh, where we don't have the the immediate sort of gratification or the immediate uh, acknowledgement of what we have done and where we are, all of those sort of accolades that we may be looking to to get in our journey as a design designer and design leader. But again, if we can do that for ourselves, it does create, and I've seen it happen for myself, it does create space where other people are interested, right? And so when you, when you are able to create that space from a place where you initiated it, then you're not always looking for someone else to pat you on the back or to give you an applause or to say, hey, good job. And it allows for you to go into certain um, positions and companies and organizations and, and, and again, operate in a space where you feel more confident um, about what you're able to contribute. And again, not necessarily on the heels of looking for your boss or manager or someone else or your peer to say, hey, really good job. And that's so powerful, like to have that within yourself of the mm -hmm. validation that you need and be grounded in, mm -hmm. you know, the decisions that you're making and even the conversations that you're initiating. Yeah, 100%. It can do so much uh, for you for as a design leader, someone who's trying to become a design leader, who is on the track record of saying, I want to um, achieve a certain title or a role or position within the design space, that um, one of the best ways to get there is to start establishing a level of confidence in yourself and what you have and what you've learned and what you've picked up so far. Not to the point where you don't need anything else, right? Because it's confidence and cockiness like that. There's a line there, right? Like no one likes that person who walks Absolutely. in thinking that they know everything because the reality <laughs> is that no one knows everything. And so when you can walk that balance of like, no, I'm sure of what it is that I'm about to say, even if you're not feeling it, because there's another, that, that other word that we, we, throw out there, imposter syndrome, right? That That's a very real thing and we all have it. It's just how you navigate that. But as long as you're able to establish again, that confidence of again, what, you, what you've learned to that point, right? Not what you are still trying to learn and what you're not comfortable with, but just the stuff that you've gathered so far. And maybe a lot of it is more personal, right? And we can't disregard the outside of design uh, skill sets 
that we get because those play a huge role, especially as it relates to user experience design. Um, a lot of what it is that we're able to do is based off of soft skills. And so as long as we have those and we're able to activate those and to, and to pull from those in our, in our life journey, then that's, that's where our confidence can be rooted. And I think that's so important of seeing your past experiences, especially for people that have transitioned their careers. Like I transitioned yes. my career from mm -hmm. consulting and engineering before that to UX design. And mm -hmm. it's so important to see your past experiences as an asset yes. instead of this liability yeah. dragging you down. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I have seen you know, throughout my uh, teaching career uh, with students who transitioned as well from uh, whether it be finance or education or other fields and coming into design, the concern has always been, I don't really think I have, you know, relevant skills to be able to do this work, or I'm really far behind because, you know, again, I didn't study design. I didn't take any design classes. And so, man, I, I have to jump into this, this field where, you know, we have some powerhouses and we have people who spent their entire career or their entire, most of their life, i.e. me, you know, <laughs> studying art and design. Um, but what I've said to them and what I say to those who are listening to this is that, again, to echo what you said, it's really not just about learning design methodologies traditional design methodologies, but it's about understanding the different tools in which to solve problems for people, right? We all have engaged with people before we got into UX, and we still will engage with people while we're in UX. And so the tools that we pick up of how to have conversations with, with individuals, how to listen and to respond, how to think about a problem that you're presented with and looking at it from all different sides and finding approaches to, to try to solve that problem. And it may look different based on how it's presented each time, even if it's a similar looking problem, because it's presented from a different either source or a different angle, let's just say, then you might have to approach it slightly differently and being flexible in how you do that. Those are things that we do when we're navigating life, when we move to a new city, right? And we're not familiar with the landscape and we're like, okay, I don't have the same you know, community that's here. How do I even find my community? How do I find my tribe? Like that problem that we have to solve if you've ever moved to a new city where you didn't have people, you know, there waiting for you, that thinking is the same thinking that you can use and apply when you're doing this work. And so again, it is being able to have those moments where you sit down and, and take a look at your journey, your life journey, your full life journey up to that point. It's like, what are the problems that I have solved in the past and that may not have been design related? And how can I take and apply that type of thinking, that type of empathy, that type of just uh, determination and confidence into the work that I am going to do as a UX designer. That's so great. <laughs> because <laughs> and so aligned with like what I've said about UX Hustle Summit is at the bare minimum, like bare minimum, take away everything. I want people to have the space to reflect on their yeah. careers, on their journeys, and have that reflection, have that opportunity to get that clarity. Yeah. Because I think yeah. so many of us don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially as designers. It's hard, you know, because we sometimes the world, and I, I use this generalization, but uh, sometimes the world um, supports and sometimes glorifies busyness and the act of always doing something, right? And so in order to fall in line with that, uh, we feel sometimes that we have to keep 
doing something, keep the wheels turning. When the reality is, is that no one really can operate effectively if you're always going, always doing, you never give yourself a moment of reflection to appreciate the journeys, appreciate the moments, uh, to have that uh, reflection so that you can be able to clearly see what is the next step that you need to take. Uh, because it's hard to, to do that and determine that when you are constantly still moving. And so because things happen so quickly nowadays, because of, you know, the advancement of technology and just access to different things, um, it, it causes sort of like this, this false presentation of what it means to reach a certain goal, what it means to uh, achieve a, a desire as it relates to you know your journey as a designer, as a design leader. And so we have to be okay with pausing and saying that we're going to pause, right? Telling ourselves that and saying, I am going to use this time to do X, Y, Z as it relates to, you know, looking at your your journey up to this point. Um, and, and then when you're ready to emerge out of that, then you're ready, right? And, and not giving your, and not putting too much pressure on yourself on when that is supposed to happen, how long that is supposed to happen. If the pause and the reflection is only going to be for if it takes an hour, it takes an hour. If it takes a week of reflection, meaning like you're doing work, but you're constantly making time to reflect and it takes a week for you to, to like make it make sense after that week, then that's how long it takes. Um, and But we have to be okay with that, knowing that in the end of that, you will have clarity. You will emerge with new ideas and new thoughts and new way of thinking about yourself and your future that you wouldn't otherwise get if you were to be in a state of constantly trying to get and acquire all the things, right? Right. Because I think when you're in that state of prioritizing busyness and just doing, you become more susceptible to that comparison, to just taking, you know, the the most obvious quote unquote, yeah. uh, like thing to do next, even if yeah. that's not your thing to do. Right, right. Just to keep it moving and just, right. and you'll end up on that off ramp. And if you don't, and I mean, taking that pause and having that clarity is where you can have, where you can make those huge strides mm -hmm. in your mm -hmm. career and with intention. Yeah. I love that word intention, by the way, it's so that good. don't, yeah, it's a, it's a great word. It's a word that I use that I operate my life around. It's a word that shows up in work. It shows up in my personal life. Uh, when I have conversations with my wife, I use that word oftentimes. And so she knows that I, <laughs> that that is my word. Um, and so, uh, so do my team members. They know that that is a word that I use um, because I think it's important. And I don't want that, that word, the way in which I use it, intentionality, is it does not mean that I plan everything. It doesn't mean that everything goes according to plan, I should say. It means that I make decisions with an understanding of A, who am I, right, in that moment, right? How do I want to see myself post this moment, post the decision or post this step? Um, and how does this align with core goals and principles that I have set, right? And so by me thinking about those things, I make decisions, right? And those decisions sometimes are like a quick pivot decision. And sometimes they are a little bit more planned in terms of, okay, this is a part of a strategy in which I'm trying to execute on uh, for a project or for a program. But all that I try to do uh, I try to make sure that I'm moving with a level of intentionality of those three things. Who am I? Who do I want to see myself as post a decision? And how does this align with my core goals and principles? That makes so much sense. <laughs> and it feels like <laughs> such a great lens to be able to make decisions from. Of yeah, That it really becomes a lot simpler to know what 
the right yeah. next step is. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't live a life of regrets. I made plenty of mistakes and I'm sure I'll make a lot more mistakes, but I know that once I look at them, I can say those decisions were made with a level of thought whether I had all of the answers of what was going to happen at the end, that wasn't really my concern. And I, and I really want to make sure that it's clear that when I say who I, when I look at who I am post a decision, it is not me looking at the result of the decision because I can't dictate and I can't determine what the result is going to be. I can only, I can only make a decision in terms of how do I want to see myself? If the decision goes good and if the decision goes bad, how do I want to be seen for, for myself in terms of how I respond? And so if I can sort of play that out really quickly in, in a sense of like, if I make a decision about implementing this program and it fails, will I uh, see myself as picking myself back up and moving forward and be acknowledging what happened and, and taking the learnings and applying it to another piece? Or am I going to see myself as someone who's just going to sort of draw back and just never try something like that ever again um, and sort of say, woe is me for a long period of time? Like, how am I going to be able to see myself if any of those scenarios will happen? And if I'm okay with either one, then I'm okay with making the decision, right? Um, and so that's that's the way in which I again, try to move with a level of, of intentionality. And like, it's disassociating yourself from the result a little bit. Yes. As far as like, who you are as a person. Right, right. 100%. Because we can't control the outcomes of any of our decisions and how we move through our journey in our careers um, that we can only sort of facilitate our responses. And we may not even know how we're going to respond when uh, the result appears, but at least we can can identify the, the parts of ourselves that we know is true to ready ourselves for whatever may come up to the surface, right? And I know that may sound a little like Theoretical may be hard for some people to grasp, and I hope it makes sense uh, for those who are listening. But really what I'm saying at the at the end of it is that uh, when it comes to moving with intention and making decisions about your career is that you want to focus more on yourself, your position, how you view yourself, and less about the outcomes of the decision, which you cannot control, uh, and also, you know, the the ways in which it may even unfold um, as it relates to other people, um, as it relates to um, even yourself, right? And so just, just being okay with, okay, this is who I am. And typically I am not, um, I do not, I'm trying to find another way to, to say to say it in terms of a, a response, but I'll just stop there because I think I think I'm clear. <laughs> you <laughs> are. You are. You'll ask. You'll, you'll ask me if I'm not. So I'll, I'll just stop there. <laughs> no, that was perfect because I feel like, and and so much in design, specifically with you user experience design, our response is to go outside of ourselves. Of I am mm -hmm. not the user. I need to right. go out and seek out more information from other people. Yeah. And it sounds like in the case of your career, it's really important to to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, to look yeah. at yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the one time that we that we can, right? Because we in the case we are we are the user, right? As it relates to to our career. And even with that lens that when we have to look at ourselves, we also want to bring back in this word being objective and and it, when I say being objective, it doesn't mean that we don't, we ignore the emotions that are there, right? I'm not saying that at all, because there are emotions that are felt that are very real about different parts in your journey, whether it's, whether it's something that's sad or something that's really exciting or happy, you want to pay attention to that. But what I'm saying is that 
when you are making the decisions or when you are looking at your next steps within your journey, you feel the emotions, but you don't let them guide you in terms of how you move forward, right? You're like, I feel really bad about what I did, but okay, I feel bad, but what does that mean as it relates to what actually occurred and what I did and how can I look at those things aside from the fact that I feel bad about it? Can I course correct? Does this mean that I need to, to, to read more about this particular methodology? Does this mean that I need to practice more using this tool, right? We can't let the feeling bad keep us from looking at the situation objectively to say what needs to happen uh, about me moving forward. That's really interesting to me because it's like your feelings are there to let you know <laughs> like how you are feeling in the moment and, right. and how you're perceiving the decision, the result of the decision or whatever whatever situation you're in. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't thought of that before, of when you make decisions off of those feelings, you're really giving those feelings a lot of control and power over yeah. your journey. Yeah. Yes, 100%. And we don't, we don't want to, I don't say we don't want to, but I'll speak for myself that when I did make those, make decisions based on my emotions, uh, nine times out of 10, and I would say probably 10 times out of 10, it probably wasn't the best way to move forward, right? It did not mean that I, I those decisions led to a lot of regret because like I said earlier, I don't, I don't have a lot of regrets in terms of decisions that I've made, but at least when I take a step back, I feel more confident about the next decision that I'm going to make. The more that I'm able to practice not letting my emotions control, I can then allow myself to operate in the space of, okay, this is how I feel. This is, this is what's happening for me right now. And maybe I need to take a pause in a, uh, before I make the next decision um, so that at least once, I, once the decision is made, I can continue along the steps that need to be followed through with that decision in a way that I feel less uncomfortable about, right? Because once you let your emotion make a decision, it's like, ah, oh, okay, now I got to follow through, but now I just, this feels, this does not feel right <laughs> because that emotion is gone now, but that decision and the things that you have to do are still there, right? And so I have allowed myself to to continue to operate in that space because now that the now the emotion is gone, I was like, okay, well, I I'm so glad I didn't make that this decision based on my emotion because now I can still continue to do this and now I have other ideas of how to do this project or how to engage with this person because you know that was a that was a time that I had that I spent. Wow. That was so great. Because <laughs> I'm just feeling like, oh, feelings are temporary. Yeah. And like your identity is not. Yeah. And when the feeling leaves, your identity is still there and the decision's still there. Yeah. yeah. And your feelings being temporary and being reactive in so many ways can actually cloud your judgment and like, your understanding of your identity yeah so that you're not able to listen to those gut true intentional yeah like nudges that you get yeah yeah <sighs> you know being a design leader and and sort of like the way i look at the journey uh for myself and that i i would like to offer to others to consider is that it requires a lot more internal personal work than acquiring additional tools, methodologies, and skill sets. That is what I have learned about 
becoming a design leader, along with some other things that I will share uh, <laughs> on my talk. But that is one of sort of like the, the sort of big overarching thing is that a lot of it has to do with the personal work. And yes, I picked up a lot of other skills. Yes, learned some additional uh, methodologies, learned some new uh, language in order to speak with different kinds of people, different stakeholders, et cetera. But at the end of the day, really what drives that is all of the work that I have done and continue to do as it relates to how I show up, how does Vincent show up, how am I moving with intention, how do I see people, and how do I respond to them when listening to them, listening to what they say, listening to how they show up, and taking all of that and being able to help that to continue refine um, who I am, how I think, and the lens in which I see the world. That is really the core of what has helped, you know, push me to the point of where I am is that kind of work um, that I've had to do for myself, uh, with myself, along with bringing in other people along the journey that I can confide in, that I can, you know, um, you know, ask questions or, or, you know, or give them space to be able to speak to me in a way where they're acknowledging things that um, they see that may need to be changed or acknowledging things that I need to do more of that I'm holding back on, giving them the permission to be able to say those types of things to me has also helped. But all, all of it has boiled down to essentially, what am I doing to bring the best version of myself out into the world that is aside from, in addition to all of the other things that we are taught, you know, in school, in a boot camp, you know, it, it technically to be able to to do the actual work. That's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Amanda. I thank you for sharing that because I think it's something I'm so excited for your talk and Yay. just diving all the way into this. Yes. Um, yes. It's going to be awesome. Yes. And. I have one more question for you. Yes, please. Okay. You're in an elevator. <laughs> okay. And you're in an elevator and another UX designer is on the elevator with you and they turn uh -huh. and ask, how can I be happy in my UX career? Oh, I love this question, Amanda. Thank you. <laughs> my, <laughs> uh, my response will be unfortunately as a question and the question that I will ask is why aren't you happy in UX well shoot <laughs> <laughs> and and honestly because there is no one size fits all as it relates to happiness as it relates to where one should be in their UX career, um, it really is like a fingerprint. It is unique to every person. And so even with what I'm going to share, which are very personal stories about my, my journey, it is unique to me, but I'm sure that there are things in there that will help someone else in theirs. And so with this person in the elevator, um, I would simply listen to what they say to me as it relates to why they aren't happy because it is in that response and in my active listening that I'm able to find the sort of cues and the indications of what is causing that to happen for them that relates to something that I've experienced or that I have heard of that I can then direct them to. But I cannot direct someone um, on a general statement when something is so personal of a question. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you and follow you and support yeah, you? Yeah, so I exist on LinkedIn, uh, Vincent Brathwaite. You can find me there. You can reach out to me, uh, send me uh, requests there, um, and uh, we can we can have chatted up there. Personally, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I don't really use Instagram to do a whole lot of talking about uh, UX or work, 
that's also intentional. Um, I, I lean more towards the personal side of just my thoughts and, and, and other things and experiences in just life. And I'll sometimes throw in what I'm working on. But if you're interested in where I am, what food I'm eating and what me and my wife might be doing, um, you can follow me on Instagram and it's VJ Brathwaite. So again, that's V. J and then my last name, Brathwaite. So if you don't know how to spell my name, you'll just look it up on LinkedIn and then I will go <laughs> to the website and you'll see it there and just type that in and uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Awesome. So those are the two places. I, I'm also on Twitter, but it's under VJ Brathwaite as well. I don't use Twitter as much uh, as I probably should, but if you're on Twitter, you can hit me up there as well. I'm there. Awesome. And then I know you're writing a book with Jonah Tolley. Oh, yes, I <laughs> He spilled am, the beans. I am. He did. He spilled the beans. So uh, I'm super excited. We actually have a call, him and I, later to continue talking about it. But I'm super excited about what this book is going to be about and, you know, having difficult conversations um, and how important that is to get sort of the tips and to navigate that part of your UX journey because conversations as it relates to you working as a junior designer and and um, and sometimes just elevating in your career that if we knew how to make the difficult ass or to say the things that are uncomfortable, it will allow us to move a lot further in a way that we feel more confident about ourselves because oftentimes we feel like we can't say certain things because of our position, et cetera. But there are ways in which to navigate that. So I'm excited to work with uh, Joe on on this book. So He's, am I. I'm excited yeah. to read it. Yeah. And as I told Joe when he was on the podcast that I've heard before someone say, you're always like one difficult conversation away from a goal or like what what your next step is yeah and so i'm really excited about this book yeah yeah i am too it's part of the reason i was i have been able to get as far in my career as i have by having and learning how to have difficult conversations with all kinds of people and as a result have really helped to strengthen relationships um business relationships with people because of that you know, because once you jump that hurdle and you feel a little bit more, um, I'm going to use the word powerful as it relates to how you show up in the world. And I think everybody should feel a little bit of, little bit of power for themselves to help kind of motivate them and keep them moving along. So that's awesome. Well, I'm excited for the book. I'm excited for the summit. Me too. Everybody go check out Vincent. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the UX Hustle podcast. If you love this episode, please write a review and subscribe. To continue these conversations, you can follow us on Instagram at the UX Hustle. Join our Slack community through the link in our show notes. Or join us at the UX Hustle Summit September 24th through the 25th. It's our annual virtual conference, and it's the only UX career conference. So we'd love to see you there.